So last time we covered that wonderfully definitive verse in Romans 3 verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So we learn from that that nothing that man can contribute to God would contribute to his salvation. We learn that salvation is by faith. But we also learn that that faith is a gift of God. It is not what man contributes to God. When God gives the good news about Jesus, he gives the good news about the ability to believe in him. Now then comes the next verse, which is very revealing. In connection with verse 28, the previous verse, he says, Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why would Paul ask that question after saying that we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law? Let me read the two verses together so you get curious about why he follows on with uh, what he did, does, as I just mentioned, in verse 29. So we'll read the two verses together. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Now this verse doesn't seem to fit if you think of faith as something narrowing salvation down to only those who believe. You know, yes, we believe that salvation is free for everyone, but you have to believe. That's how people think of it, and so they think of faith as a defining, or rather as a limiting factor in uh, the world's salvation. Yes, God loved the world, gave his only son for the world, but people have to believe, and if they don't, they won't get it. But that is not how Paul is using the word faith. How do I know that? Well, based upon the next verse. Let's read it again. We conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, or is he the God of the Jews only? What is Paul asking there? He is saying that Faith indicates, that is, salvation by faith indicates that God has made the way available for everyone, that there is no difference between a Jew and a Greek. All of them, all of us, are in the broken state of our humanity. We are all sinners under the bondage of sin, and God gives faith because we can't offer anything, whether we're a Jew or a Christian or a pagan. So you see, verse 29 indicates the, ex the inclusiveness of faith, not the exclusiveness of faith. Do you understand what I mean by that? When we think of the exclusiveness of faith, we say, well, salvation is a gift, but only to those who believe— and the but part indicates our perception of the exclusiveness of faith. 
only those who have faith are saved and the rest are excluded. But Paul is not using faith that way. He's using it as inclusive, not exclusive. You say, well, Colin, you don't believe that people will be saved without faith, do you? No, I don't. But the point is, how do we get faith? From some internal strength and discipline of our mind that we have and others don't? Or do we get faith from God who is gladly and willingly ultimately giving it to all, some early on in their lives, some in the middle of their lives, some late in their lives, and some in the judgment who have to go through judgment and be brought to an end of themselves so that they call out to God for mercy and he receives them. Because it says in Isaiah 45 that as God lives, he has made a promise to himself that he will never revoke all and every knee shall bow before him and every tongue shall acknowledge. What will it acknowledge? More than acknowledge, it will take an oath that in, in God alone is their righteousness and strength. And so you see in the judgment, there will be a revelation of God's glory and a revelation of our sin so overwhelming that we will cave and we will bow the knee and we will want and ask for mercy, and the Lord God will give it. So the judgment, the final judgment, is not only a judgment against sin, but also a reconciliation of the whole world. And thus, you see, this is how Paul is using faith, and you need to think of that very carefully. Let me read the verses again. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the God of the Gentiles also. And so Paul is saying that God is giving faith because he wants it to be accessible to everyone, not simply to those who are polished, not simply to those who have more discipline and control of the, over their lives than others, not simply to the people in the Western world who had the good fortune to live in Christian uh, culture, not simply to those who haven't been addicted to addictions and therefore are more likely to receive God because they're doing pretty well, thank you very much, but to the very worst of the worst, to the, to the very broken of the broken, to the very lost of the lost, God comes with faith. Now, this should give us some hope for ourselves. Let me tell you something very personal. I have gone through many severe, well, I won't say many, but I have gone through severe addiction in my life as a young man. And the addiction was so terrible that I felt that I was separated from my sense of self. I had lost my center. There were times when my neurosis was so great that I could not feel the pavement that I was walking on. Sometimes the despair was so great that I could not open my Bible or talk to God for months. I was not connected even with myself, let alone God. I had lost my center. 
and it was a terribly frightening thing, and it went on for nearly 20 years. Then the Lord, completely unexpected by me, revealed himself through the Book of Romans at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan in 1971. And I've received his grace, not because I was a good receptor, a good receiver, but because God's grace was so overwhelming and astonishingly great. And from that point onward, it became increasingly clear to me that God can save anybody, no matter how deep and how troubling their addiction may be. I felt many times that I did not want to live anymore. I was not suicidal, but I felt that God should terminate me because I was too dangerous, too dangerous for other people because I was capable of abusing them. But God let me live, and God gave me his grace. And I thought to myself, if God can give me his love and grace, he can give it to anybody. And so I say to you, if you're listening and you feel that you've gone too far, quit it. Stop that thinking. It is nonsense. You can never outdo God's grace. Your sin cannot outdo God's love for you. And God is so great that he is able to penetrate into your darkness. You may think that you have to come out of your darkness before you can receive God. Oh, no, that is not the truth. That is what Satan wants you to believe. The truth is that God comes into your darkness. He does not wait for you to come out of your darkness. He comes into your darkness. Do you remember the prodigal son? Where was he when he came to his right mind? Was he in church? Was he sobered up? Had he had a shower and bought some clean clothes and then come to his right mind? No, he was stinking in the pigsty. He had nothing to eat and saw the pigs eating far better than he was. And in that moment he came to his right mind, realizing that his father's home was far better than anything he had. The memory of his father's home became beautiful and peaceful. Now how did that memory come to him, may I ask? By the Holy Spirit, of course. But where was the Holy Spirit then? He was in the pigsty with the prodigal son. And that is what I mean when I say God comes into our darkness. If you feel that you've gone too far and you've given up on God because you feel that he cannot possibly love you, listen to the word of God. God justifies the wicked. We come to that in chapter 4. Or rather, let's look at verse 28 then. We conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. You have no deeds to offer God. Your addiction is so strong and so overwhelming, there's nothing good in you. That is what God wants you to understand and realize so that he can open your heart to his love, to his mercy, to his grace. So don't go whining on that you've gone too far, that you've, you're not good enough, and so on. 
but rather say, Father, I am willing to receive you, because I have nothing left, I have nothing to offer, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's the message, the verse, the prayer of the addict, the prayer of the man or woman who has lost everything. And then, as the day goes by, you thank God that he is with you. You thank God that he has not forsaken you. You thank God that he has taken all your sins upon his Son, Jesus Christ. You thank God that Christ has given you access to your Heavenly Father, so that you now live in your Father's home. You thank God in this way, no matter what the circumstances are around you. And gradually you become aware of a distinct presence, the love of God. He is great. He is all-embracing. He is full of mercy. He is always a helper in time of need. And gradually, as you walk in this light of faith that praises, the circumstances around you will change. Let it happen and resist and give up your excuses. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You can hear this program on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening and four, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. But you can also listen any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And if you would care to make a donation, please do. You can make it online at faithquestradio.com. See you then next time. Cheerio and God bless. <music>